I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And I'm Charles Epting of HR Harmer in New York City. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Yeah. Michael, it's been uh, a little <laughs> while uh, yeah. since we've done an episode. Yeah, I felt it, it definitely feels that way. It felt, I think it's been about a month or maybe a, a few weeks. Um, we've and, definitely, and, and oh, go ahead. It, it's, I was going to say, it's been busy with the holiday season. Oh, yeah. We've both had a lot of sales, a lot of material being sold. It's been a bit hectic. Um, professionally, personally, um, I, yeah. I was in Germany last week. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we've just sort of been running all over the place. But, um, you know, I, I think that if we're going to take a, a short break after, you know, a year and a half of not missing a week, <laughs> basically, um, yeah, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather it be because we're both too busy with work than, you know, for any, any negative yeah. reason. I think this is a, a good reason to have missed a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, just being insanely busy you've traveled you've been traveling we've been trying to connect and there's been a couple times where we've tried to schedule a couple episodes and then um and then we've both been like uh, i gotta go to you know denver or you've got to go to germany or you had to go to california a couple times and it's um, exactly it's yeah, been no, yeah it's, it's, been it's, it's been a whirlwind but um no i'm glad to get back on track and mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean well, a big part of what has kept me so busy is this sale that HR Harmer is holding um, this afternoon Today. at 2 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're holding the sixth part of the Erevan collection of United and Confederate States postal history. This is a sale that, when it's all said and done, will have taken over five years to sell. We've been holding two sales a year. Yeah. Again, this is part number six, so we're we're past the halfway point. Um, and then I look at what is still left to be sold, and I don't feel like we've made a dent in it. Still, we're <laughs> we're certainly not halfway in mm -hmm. terms of what has to be sold so um so yeah we've got about three hours until sale time and i'm i'm really looking forward to this one there's a couple of real uh real heavy hitters coming up in this auction yeah yeah no i i know and i saw there was an article about one of the items in the auction yes do you want to not done by a philatelic uh journalist no let's let's kick off with with lot number 35 um which is the one you are referring to yeah which is you know I don't want the glare on it. Wow. It is that right there. Mm -hmm. This letter was carried via Pony Express in August of 1860 to the Honorable Abraham Lincoln, not yet President Abraham Lincoln. Right. Um, he had won the very contentious Republican National Convention uh, several months earlier, but the general election would not be for another couple of months. Mm -hmm. So this letter um, from California, we don't know who exactly. Uh, was sent to Abe Lincoln at a very transitional time of his life, sort of the last moment of peace and quiet for him before he became yeah. president, and then before the Civil War broke out. This is um, this is a really unique postal artifact. This is something yeah. that um, it's the only Pony Express to Abraham Lincoln. Very little correspondence exists from this period of mid 1860. Mm -hmm. Once he's president, he's writing tons of letters and speeches and all that. But again, this is sort of the last moment of. Um, I don't want to say solitude because obviously <laughs> there was a lot going on in, in his life and in the country at that time, but um, it, it's an incredible artifact. You know, as far as Pony Express covers go, it's really nice. It's got the Carmine running pony hand stamp on the back, which is a rare marking to begin with. But, um, you know, then you add the fact that it is um, addressed to the most pivotal figure of the 19th century, if not the most pivotal American figure of all time. And it's a right. real, uh, a real highlight of the sale, but um, I'll just run through a couple of other things if you if you don't mind because no I mean stuff... that we there's things that we 
eventually should should catch up on but i think we just wanted at this point you had a few hours free this morning i thought we'd just say hi to people i'm so excited about the sale as much as we do need to catch up on other things my brain is not there right now yeah yeah Um, yeah. my brain my my mind is completely uh i've seen this one before so have you are you sure you haven't seen a blue one before no, no, no. I well, I, I know the I'm blue just, one, but I'm, I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we sold the Alexandria Blue Boy for about 1.2 million mm-hmm. um, in June of 2019. Mm-hmm. There are six buff Alexandria stamps. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe off the top of my head, there's two off cover, four on cover. But what's neat about this one? Hold it up, close. Yeah. Um, this is the discovery copy. So this was discovered in about 1872, 1873. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> about 25 years after the stamp was printed mm-hmm. this stamp was unknown to collectors now when a post office issues a new stamp everybody knows about it within milliseconds because usually they've made an nft of it as well um <laughs> but this allison just rolled her eyes well this is something we want to get I've into a, but we we still talk like a, almost every I've, single day and, and yes i've got a live audience by the way in yeah my <laughs> do you want me to introduce you to everyone yes or I'll introduce the live stream to everyone. Let me let me switch you over to um, computer audio. Allison's not happy about this. <laughs> well, they met Allison before at Westpex. You have met Allison at Westpex. Oh, that did meet Allison at Westpex. Yeah, yeah. We turned the camera around. <laughs> we did do that. Yeah. Um. So there's Allison. Mm-hmm. Are you on camera? And then Max has been HR Harmer's intern for the last couple of months. Hello, everyone. And so that's Max Davidoff. And then Alyssa, on my other side, uh, is H.R. Harmer's newest employee. She's joining the team full-time in two weeks, but she's here for the auction just to get a taste of um, what it is that we do. So that's fantastic. <clears throat> I cannot shake this cough. I swear that it's not COVID. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry, man. It's all good. Uh, now they're leaving because I've uh, put them on the spot. Okay. <laughs> all right. So um, anyways, yeah, Alexandria, one of six known, four on cover, two off cover. This is the discovery copy. Was unknown for 25 years um, after its printing. Mm -hmm. This was discovered by John Kerr Tiffany, who I want to say was the first president of the APS amongst many other accolades. Okay. So a a, a great and (coughs) rare um, cover. Thank you for the cough drop. It's just what you want on a live stream is to have a, a crippling cough. Um, this is a neat one. Can you even see? Couldn't. A stamp? Well, let me let me show you again. Oh. This is one of the few New Haven provisionals recorded. Okay. The problem is they use this blue ink that is very unstable and mm-hmm. very... Thank you very much. Very prone to fading. Okay. So this would have been blue initially when it was produced. And as you can see now, it's it is invisible. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's unique. Uh, it sold for $8,000 back in the 1960s. It was owned by Ferrari. It's got his uh, little hand stamp on it. But what it'll sell for today? Can you I see an outline of anything? Impression or I mean, oh, was it, it? It's, it is distinguishable. Okay let me it's because from here from the screen i don't think you can see oh, oh 
But do you see the signature? The signature. I see the signature. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, I and see there's it a here. Box. The yep. the paid. paid. Yep. The three. Yeah. It, it's okay. definitely you can make it out when you see it in person. Yep. It's just one of those things that unfortunately there's nothing to do about it. It's yeah. It's um you know ultimately everything that we collect will degrade over time. Certain things at a at a faster pace than others. Mm -hmm. So that's the New Haven provisional. Um, I'll just go through a few more things, please. Great, great. Uh, oh wow! Multicolor, franking the eighteen sixty nine issue. I just love that with the. Uh, yeah. The two, the six, and the fifteen centers. Is that the um, eighteen like, or eight, eighteen or nineteen? One eighteen or nineteen? One nineteen. That's a good question. That is a one nineteen. That's a okay. type two. Okay. Great cover here. From the famous Portchester uh, correspondence to Peru. Wow. Twenty four center used alongside a pair of ten cent banknotes. Hmm. This is the only example of this uh franking so it's the only really 24 cent pictorial used in conjunction with 10 cent banknotes really it's a very short-lived rate the the amount of time this could have been sent was um was not a huge window so just makes for a, a really great uh any 24 center on cover is is fantastic to begin with mm -hmm. um you know, so talking about the 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 sale at large is it mostly postal history or is hmm. it entirely postal history couple of mint stamps the occasional mm -hmm. mint stamp mixed in but about 95 percent postal history i should have gone over the scope of this before i started just showing you random stuff but um <laughs> basically the collection consists of a number of separate so th there's a a u.s component and a european component we're just selling mm -hmm. the u.s here in the states and he focused on everything from u.s provisionals general u.s postal history western expresses fancy cancels locals and carriers confederate provisionals Civil War patriotic covers, Confederate general issues, and then other weird things. I mean, Dollar yeah. Columbians on cover, Zeppelins on cover, nice. just stuff that caught his eye, stuff that he liked. So um, as you saw, a couple of uh, key provisional items, then some general U.S. postal history, some really nice uh, carriers and locals, including mm. that's the New Orleans City Dispatch Post. Oh, right. There's only two of that stamp known. One of them off cover, this one on cover. Or wow. this three note, three known, I think one was added to a cover um, mm. fraudulently. But this is the only genuine example on cover. Uh, there's also a pink stamp that's very rare, but one of the uh, key, key items of locals and carriers in, uh, in that cover. Um, it's a really pretty cover with two examples of the Messencopes local stamp. So how long have you been working on this? I know not the the collection as a whole, but this auction. This specific sale, so, you know, we've been holding them on a six-month cycle. Mm -hmm. Basically, as soon as one sale ends, it's off to the races with the next sale. And we haven't even held this sale yet. And I've already started going through material for the seventh sale, which will be held in June. Okay. So each catalog takes about six months to put together. Um, some of these and things I've been... I've been researching though for years. I've known what's in the collection, right? And I've gone and researched them, you know, in advance so that I, you know, like the Abe Lincoln Pony. Right. I knew that when that came up, I was, I, you know, I had to have my my homework done. So my my next question was kind of going to be, um, when you when the collections were first announced, did you have to build 
what was going to be in each catalog, there's an accumulation of material, right? right? Different collections. So do you go through it all at once and separate it into segments or do you start working on things? And so then this is, this has been a really it. fun process because basically what we did is we took everything and yeah. we, we numbered it and we made photocopies of it. Mm -hmm. So here I had photocopies of every cover in the collection. Yeah. And I took a pair of scissors and I cut them all out and then I got to make piles. Mm -hmm. I got to make 10 piles. Yeah. So if there were, you know, uh, 20 of something, maybe 20 of a certain fancy candle, we would make, you know, make put two in each pile mm -hmm. and make 10 different piles. If there were a hundred Confederate provisionals, you get to put 10 in each pile. Mm -hmm. And basically we created all 10 of the sales in advance. Okay. Yeah. We didn't overload the market with all of the Confederate provisionals in sale number two and all of this. Thing. So it's been fun to, um, you know, I did that years ago. And now I get to revisit these pieces. I don't remember what went into each pile. Right. So now I get to go through this stuff and it's like looking at it with fresh eyes for the first time again. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we, we did structure the sales initially. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been out oh, next sales coming up, grab the next pile, grab the next little bundle of photocopies. And then you have to go match them up to the original items. And that's how you know what's going to be in the next sale. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So that's the, that's the, the way to do it. Yeah. It, it's been a very successful process so far. Do you ever wish you could get into uh, someone from the past's mindset into their head? When they, when they did some? When they did something. Yeah. Because whatever the postmaster was thinking <laughs> with this cover. That's incredible. And then if you think the front is crazy. Huh. So there just are a bit too much coffee that day. Maybe a bit too much coffee, or in the 1860s, maybe a bit too much, you know, cocaine or something. Um, because there are, we counted the number of strikes, and it is uh, certainly double digits. I think it's like 21 strikes in this thing. Um, just one of the one of the strangest and most unique Western Express covers we've ever mm -hmm. seen. Um, so that that one, we'll see. That's you know, you can't put a catalog value on something like that. It's no, so no, it's so out there. Um, you know, uh, the usual great selection of Waterbury fancy cancellations. There is a man with a pipe. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've got um, the um, the running chicken this auction. That's in the June sale. Oh, bummer. The running chicken is sitting in okay. our safe in the office right now. All right. Um, but, you know, the, the postmaster of, of Waterbury, Connecticut, John Hill, had a lot of free time and a lot of creativity and a lot of, um, you know, maybe untapped potential as an artist mm. because he just went, uh, went a bit crazy carving cork into leaves and flowers and people and animals and elephants and dogs and you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've got some, some really great, you know, water breaks coming up. That's a, that's a cup. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a beer stein. I don't know what he had in mind, but, yeah. um, just great little pieces of, of American folk art. So, the Waterbury's will be will be a lot of fun as always. Um, and then I'm trying to, trying to remember what else there is. Um, patriotic covers are always a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. The um, the the Henry Angel correspondence is a very important correspondence. Henry Angel was an optometrist, I want to say. Um, I don't remember. I, I, uh, I'm going to say an optometrist. Okay. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But he was a doctor who was basically doing his postgraduate residency in Europe in the mid 1860s. Mm -hmm. He was traveling from Vienna to Paris, all over the place. And um, his family were sending him letters everywhere he went. So not only are these wonderful Civil War oh, pro-Union wow. patriotic designs, 
Yeah. But they are sent with these crazy wow. frankings to these crazy destinations in Europe. So, you know, patriotic covers sent domestically are quite rare and desirable. Mm-hmm. But then when you consider that they're going to Vienna, like that one was, or Paris, wow. the angel correspondence is uh, incredibly, incredibly important for our um, collecting of, of Civil War here, patriotics. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other great patriotic so covers. So as though. an auctioneer, I, I have to imagine... Um, the first Erevan sale was pretty stressful or nerve wracking. Does it, does it get easier? Are you just as nervous or do you feel, um, more at ease when calling the sale? So there's always a bit of nerve with the big ticket items and you know, they're going to sell well. Pony Express to Abe Lincoln and Alexandria, Alexandria provisional. They're going to do okay. They're going to find a good home. They're going to sell for a big price. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how well do they do how how big a price yeah um so so there's always a bit of um i don't know if stress or or nerves is the right word but just a bit of general um, anxiety about what's going on exactly no i'm gonna know all these answers in three or four hours yeah i just want to get to that point i just want to you know power through the next couple of hours so that Mm -hmm. i don't have these question marks lingering um but that being said you know the, the 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 other stuff the the patriotics and you know some of the um know the, the water breeze when you've been selling this stuff for a couple of years it just becomes fun after you're yes. right first sale or two super nerve-wracking every lot you're on pins and needles mm-hmm. but at, at a certain point you just learn to take a deep breath and uh, it just becomes really enjoyable you know you get to touch base with a lot of familiar faces who've been in these sales and you know yeah. getting to talk to all of our clients about sale, it, it, it becomes fun more than anything yeah so it's it, it, it's a much more relaxed less stressful feeling i would say than than maybe it used to be um a couple of years ago yeah so so yeah but but yeah i'd be lying if i said there weren't nerves before every sale whether it's well no of course I mean... not. <laughs> yeah you know whether we're yeah. selling the, the but some of these items you're them. one of uh you know just less than a handful of auctioneers or people to actually sell these items i mean how many times has the abe lincoln pony express cover been sold and here you are the last uh, time it sold at auction was in 1991. I was not born yet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that that puts a lot of gravity on it. that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, here's here's another iconic item. <coughs> that's the. Oh Pleasant yeah, you showed Shade me a photo pair. of that. Yeah, that's you know that's the only pair of Pleasant Shade Provisionals. I think there's seven known examples of the stamp at all, and mm-hmm. there's you know maybe there's nine, less than less than ten, and there's two of them. In yeah. a pair on cover right there, um, you know these things haven't changed hands in decades. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll find a good home. You know, there's 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 uh, you know there, there's a lot of people interested in it, but doesn't mean it's not uh, that nerve wracking. You know, yeah. it's it's um it's it, it we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, can, can I be sort of self-effacing for a second? Okay, because I've never done that on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, before I get to being self-effacing, this is a really fun one. The Confederate government had a lot of trouble printing stamps. They, you're fighting a war. You've got your supply chains from the north completely cut off. Mm-hmm. Stamps are not going to be a priority to begin with. And then when you're working with what limited supplies you do have, right? production quality might not be consistent or uh, all that great. So here's a, a, a Confederate stamp. Mm-hmm. with a sheet margin okay right see it's tied by a date stamp and what does yeah. that say in the margin paid if the darn thing sticks 
there was so little faith in the gum on the back of the stamp working. Yeah. Um, this guy was probably frustrated that his stamps kept falling off of their letters. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he's like, you know what? Forget it. It's paid if the darn thing sticks. And the fact that somebody took the time to, to write, write that, that in the – Exactly. <laughs> they were so frustrated by the stamp quality. They, uh, they wrote that in the margin. I think that's a, a really fun cover. But um, the last one I'll show you, um, we do our best to know what things are worth. We do our best to, uh, you know, uh, uh, price and, and describe these things accurately. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while. Yeah, we've had these conversations. You just get items where you've got no... No idea. So, no. so here's here's a Confederate patriotic cover. Okay. It's got a cannon and a Confederate flag. It's got a uh, a five cent um, uh, number one on it. Mm-hmm. It's a nice cover, Michael. I don't remember what mindset I was in when I was describing this, but I thought, you know what, I'm not going to put a start price on this item. Yeah. I'm going to let people bid whatever they think is fair. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do that, and the item sells for twenty five dollars. And sometimes I do that. <laughs> And this item is opening at $1,100 currently. Really? There's a bit of 1000 There's a bit of 1100 on this thing. I don't know wow. where it will open at when the sale starts because we may get more postal bids in the meantime. Yeah. But here's a case of uh, me just completely underestimating what something is worth. <laughs> but it goes to show you, you know, that that's, that's the real fun of an auction. That's the real yeah. benefit of an auction, I think, is ultimately it's not up to me to decide what something's worth. It's up to the market to decide. And two yeah. people thought this thing was worth a lot more money than we priced it at. And, uh, you know, it, it's an auction. They can bid whatever they want, whatever they see fit. And, uh, you know, ultimately we're going to sell something for what two people are willing to pay for. Yes. So that, that Confederate cover, I think, is a fun case of um, letting the market determine itself. You know, I, I don't look at that as a mistake. I look at it as a, a learning experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, you have a well-informed clientele. That's why it's important to have an educated uh, market. That's why yeah. it's important for people to know what they're buying. Uh, this is a conversation we need to have on this podcast at some point that we sort of hinted at this morning about yeah. um, uh, about other collectible marketplaces and the direction they're heading. But it's why I love having an educated clientele and people who know what something is worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows what that cover will sell for. Maybe it'll go for multiples of 1100. We'll see in just a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. We should follow up and and see how some of these things some of these things did but but then later this this week also if you've got time maybe friday or something we should record something we should do an episode there's a lot to talk about in terms of um uh i guess the collectibles marketplace overall um yeah it's really taken a front seat in the media Mm -hmm. i hate mentioning logan paul on our (laughs) podcast you've never done it before I've never done it before. I hope it's the first and only time. Um, but he brought a lot of attention to issues of authentication and authentic, yeah. uh, you know, uh, genuineness of, of purchases mm-hmm. um, with his ill-fated purchase of a, a case of Pokemon cards mm-hmm. that I think raises a lot of interesting points. And I think mm-hmm. we can – yeah, and, and then eBay just made an announcement yesterday that I don't want to spoil. We'll let people hear us talk about that next week. But, but I think the so collectibles – I was just going to Go follow up before you f- f- uh, went on the went further down that story. The Logan Paul thing, he paid $3.2 million for – it wasn't yes. just Pokemon cards. It was a case of supposedly first edition Pokemon cards. It was unsealed, first edition, first printing, first everything, you know, the mm-hmm. first Pokemon cards. Yeah, um, sealed which... boxes, a case of them, $3.2 million. And when he opened them up, they were all G.I. Joe's. 
Yes. And what I think is amazing is that got all the news that he had to open them to prove it was fake. But I watched a fascinating YouTube video from a Pokemon collector, much mm-hmm. more knowledgeable than Logan Paul, if you can believe it, who identified the case as a fake mm-hmm. just based on the barcode. Yeah. He looked at the barcode. He said, that doesn't match anything else that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes to show you that, yes, you can lean on authentication services. Yes, you can lean on certificates and whatnot but you also have to know the material before you put down huge sums of money on something mm-hmm. and this is the conversation that i'd like to have with you later in the week yeah absolutely and then um did the can be our our episode coming back monday after that's our big problem. that's our big that's our big comeback monday and then hopefully we'll get a guest so that it's not just you and i rambling yeah um <laughs> ad infinitum yeah. Uh, for the rest of for the rest of our lives so um no I'm, I'm glad to be back at it I'm, I'm sorry to everyone that we've taken a break we got got a couple of notes from people who were concerned which was very very touching <laughs> yeah, it was um, pretty touching and people emailed to ask if anything, we were okay <laughs> more than anything just made me feel guilty um <laughs> but we're 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 back and and i'm excited to uh get back on um our regular schedule for cwp yeah, yeah. it's still going to be busy i mean you've still got places to go i'm 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 going oh, to. Um, yeah, yeah, we're not getting back into this because uh, we're not busy. We're getting back right. into this because we've been guilt tripped into it by our <laughs> listeners. No, no, no. We 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 we've had a hard time finding the time to do it, but I think we'll be able to find some time that aligns up. Absolutely. I'm I, I'm just joking. I've missed it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to get back. You froze again. You. And um. Let's do it again in a couple of days and have a new episode out for People Monday. I'm yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that because we've had a couple conversations um, about this authentication, about the thing that we were just talking about. We've had a couple conversations here and there, but we've never really, we haven't yet drilled no, we, down we into it. Should have just recorded it. those. Philosophical. <laughs> no. Record those phone calls and call um, the podcast. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Just the just the audio. Which is what um, no, initially that, that, what I wanted to do, but a... it, it is true though that we need to have that conversation and specifically how it applies to collaterally and how it could impact this hobby moving forward. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and you had mentioned some really interesting things on calls earlier, but we should let you get to. I'm gonna your I'm gonna get going. I've got some late last minute bids to enter, and mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna we're gonna get the office all um, all ready to go for the sale. But let's let's touch base later today. I'll let you know how everything goes. And um, we'll be we'll be back for our listeners' um, regular programming starting next Monday. Absolutely, that sounds great. Michael, good catching up with you. Even though uh, even though we've talked off camera plenty in the last couple of weeks, it still feels good <laughs> to be back face to face on recording on our conversations. Yeah, awesome. Well, Michael, we'll uh, we'll talk again real soon. Yeah, see you uh, next time. Good luck with the auction. Thanks a lot, man. All right.